Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 318. I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, and this is your guide to the geek side, joined by Charlie Chuckles Carden. I'm chuckling. It's springtime here in Michigan. All is well. The birds are chirping. Things are budding. B- budding. That's not budding. Budding. That's with two Ds. Uh, and life is good. Life is good. Uh, it was a good week last week for, for Geekdom with uh, the real big things we're going to talk about. So all is well. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're having an emergence of new media, which is great. I feel like we're coming out of a, a kind of a, a collective creative coma. Wow, that was a alliteration. I didn't intend it. But yeah, I think we're, it's great to have these new things that we're getting excited about. And because of that, we are excited because we are joined by a returning secret friend, a teacher, an academic, and a solo podcaster who does great interviews. And that's Mr. Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. Luke, how are you? I am fantastic gentlemen you have had me on for the episode that i i'm i'm so thrilled for our topic today i cannot express to you how much i appreciate being on to talk nerddom and and uh superness as it were i'm so excited so thank you for having me oh yeah this is welcome welcome yeah uh so this is going to be covering both a new marvel tv show we're gonna have a you know a big dc uh movie release and it's interesting because we have a history with Bobby Pauls where he was kind of our, 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 our DC super fan. And so it's kind of, you know, uh, it's, it's a funny feeling not to have Bobby on again, but Luke, oh, yeah. you are a huge DC fan. Arkham Knight, you love that series. You're a fan of DC. So I thought it was appropriate to call you out to say, Luke, would you like to be on? And you are very, uh, thank you very much for being on because we'd like to have people that really enjoy uh, DC in a different way than uh, some other our other friends. So uh, thank you once again for being on. Oh, I'm. Thank you for having me. Uh, I hate that Bobby, of course, is not with us. Um, but it is it is a privilege to get to be here to represent the DC fans, as it were. Uh, and great Marvel show to be talking about this week as well. Uh, and I'll let you guys lead those in. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me genuinely and truly. And so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm oh, stoked. Yeah. Let's do it. You got it. Let's party. Yeah, I mean, and you talk video games all the time, so it's kind of always – I always like people that can get a chance to talk about something else they're passionate about, which is awesome. So uh, yeah. just enjoy the ride, Luke. You don't have to do anything. No hosting duties. Just, you know, just say what's on your mind and have a good time. So um, – and we'll watch Charlie and his dog. Yes, <laughs> I know. He, he eats – yeah, because my, my wife is uh, is uh, out. I'm home alone, so I'm, I'm all he's got. Oh, yeah. he's got my good boy. Oh, Bubba. my goodness. Yes. Well, I've left my family upstairs and it's time for us to get really nerdy. And one of the best ways to get nerdy is talk about an old comic book cover. So uh, not only is it episode 318, it's issue 318 of Captain America. And man, oh, man, man. look right, at this cover right in the thick of uh, of when I was a fan. This is, of course, I, we, and Tad, you picked you picked up a lot of these lately during this classic uh, Mark Gruenwald, uh, Kieran Dwyer uh, run from the late 1980s. Uh, so this was just getting into the meat of the Scourge of the Underworlds uh, issue. I think it, Saga. This was an issue two before the the, the big mass murder uh, where a, but he Scourge wiped out a bunch of villains at once. But yeah, it was it's War on Wheels. We got the Blue Streak. 
who it's funny the comic inside if you think this outfit looks ridiculous they show his 70s incarnation and he looks like one of the warriors from the movie the warriors in roller <laughs> skates it's fantastic but the thing that i like the best about this cover is the big arrow that says and check out cap's great new headgear it's like malibu stacy has a new hat they did marvel have a deal at the time i not not to my knowledge if anything is possible you know i don't know much about this title but actually i own this comic i actually bought a bunch of cap at the time it was marvel's 25th anniversary which is funny because you know now they're what 60 so man it uh, makes 80 me feel old. 80 oh, but God. yeah yeah but that was 25 years was from 1961 not yeah. from 1939 i don't think they were counting yeah the 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 timely comics era it was it wasn't in dog years I'll love to my 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 co-host here. Yeah, June '86. So Charlie would have been ten. I would have yep. been eleven. Ed Luke would have been unborn. <laughs> unborn. '86. I was one. Oh, okay. So I'm sure you nice. bought this issue. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's zero. Oh, that cover, buddy. Oh my God. Yeah, oh. that's hot. We need to check in with our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Well, Madam Webb, uh, I know you're excited about being vaccinated now. Uh, I believe you got the knockoff vaccination. Uh, it was sold by um, Dr. Anthony Fucci, not Fauci. Sorry. F- Dr. Dr. Funyuns? Yes, yes. But apparently it's given you vaccination. You're covered. It's good to go. Luke is covered as well, thankfully. Um, but uh, Luke, she's asking if you would like a teaching assistant. Oh, Lord. She's no. only 95 years old, and she believes in corporal punishment. Oh, oh yes. Yes. We'll take her. We'll take her right there. <laughs> the dreaded board of education. <laughs> uh, she I gets paid her in a heartbeat. She gets paid in old rot gut and, uh, I believe, Confederate dollars. Oh, my gosh. Confederate yes. Dollars. Confederate <laughs> gold. There you go. Just print some out on your printer and say, here you go. She'll be okay. Oh, well, well, that's awesome. Well, we've had some breaking news. This is kind of crazy. Um, it was kind of timely. We're actually recording this during the week. We normally record on the weekends, but it was just perfect timing. And it's interesting. We wondered when Disney would finally put a line in the sand, and they have with their theatrical releases, and they're doing a hybrid strategy, which makes a lot of sense. And Black Widow is finally getting a release July 9th in theaters and also as a premium rental which I was wondering if they were going to keep the price consistent, and it sounds like they are. I was worried this was going to be like the first $60 rental, but it's not. Oh, $30. Yeah, right. exactly. yes. uh, you know what? And, and this this suits me just fine um, because, again, uh, in interest of being safe and, uh, and thinking about how we've all transitioned into media consumption in the last you know 12 months, uh, almost to the day um, – you know, that that was, I've said it many times, April and I, that was always our thing. We always went to the movies. We had a premier membership to the local theater chain so we could go. It was three times, you'd go three times a week, and it was up for for $20 a month per person. So it was it was amazing, and we would just go see whatever. And now, uh, you know, the theater's back open, and stuff started to trickle out. She doesn't want to go. And she is getting a vaccine before me. She has a book, she has a date on the books, and I don't. So she's still just very skeptical about going back. So yes, I missed the big screen. Yes, this seems like it should be, but um, this, I do feel, <laughs> sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I would have muted, but I was speaking. That made, oh, that was a, oh, my goodness. The allergy. Sorry. Yes, edit point. Jeez, so, oh, Pete, Charlie. Three times a try. Uh, How are you on? 
I we were getting like that, that, that too. span of human emotions. You're getting the trifecta. Functions. I, I laughed, I cried, I hurled. So I'll edit myself back in. I'm not looking at the clock, but I'll I edit. I put it 2612. It's good to go. Okay. All right. So three, two, one, me. So for me, this is great. Um, and I'll do that premiere access. And what is it you get? You know, you pay $30 and then you quote unquote own it within the Disney Plus platform, which we'll all be subscribed to through the end of time. But then eventually I'll I'll purchase it so I have a hard copy because I had special glitches with the Justice League thing, which I'll talk about in my notes, but that that I would prefer not to experience with any any other movie that I pay for. So um so yeah, I think this is great news. Yeah, um, Luke, uh, I, I know you mentioned that this is your preferred way to see films anyways. And because of this, this is actually not allowing you to be left out in the conversation, which is nice. Yeah, I'm uh, thrilled by this news. And I've talked about this before. Um, I very much am, am in the mindset that uh, I want movies to be day and date. Right. And this is a separate from COVID conversation uh, or, or thought process. I thought this well before uh, the pandemic. I really prefer viewing movies in my own home where I have my, my own setup, which, you know, I'm fortunate to have a pretty good TV that I can watch things on a good sound system. Uh, and I can pause things when I want to get snacks, use the restroom. I find that to be my optimal viewing experience. And COVID, I, I suppose if you're bright side of, of any of this horrificness um, has been the adjustment for bringing entertainment into the living room. And I, I got to enjoy justice league day, you know, day and date as it were, you know, as it came into HBO max, of course, this black widow release has been long overdue in my opinion for them to make a choice like this. Uh, and it felt like there was a wonderful time in the winter where they could have done that post Mandalorian. Uh, but I'm needless to say, Thrilled to see the Black Widow movie finally uh, set to release, kind of the final end cap on those characters that were the mainstay in the original Avengers, uh, and then truly passing the torch into this uh, next generation as we've already started with WandaVision and so many more. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled by this news, and I will look forward to it. Uh, and the $30 price point feels – it feels a touch high. But not egregious, if that were to make sense. I don't find it to be an egregious. I mean, if you're a family of three, there's your movie tickets right there. Mm. Um, and it's my wife and I and the chance to be able to watch it on an OLED screen. It doesn't feel egregious as it were. if it were a $50 thing, I'd be out. Yeah, and right. this is a and this is a multiple watch. You can watch it as long as you want for the next three months. And then it obviously then will. I mean, now this is something that's a little bit. Uh, uncertain at this point. Most of the Disney Premier Access have gone into Disney Plus three months later. Originally, mm-hmm. Disney Plus was going to have a six-month gap until mm-hmm. those movies went into if they were in the theater. So I think this is once again three months. I could be wrong, but that's where – I mean it's already in the theater anyways, but typically that's what was the, the release plan six months later. So uh, that's basically as long as you have Disney Plus, you'll have access to that film ongoing. Unfortunately, like on other services, if you bought that or you did rented it, it does not transfer to like a voodoo or something like that. So it is where it is, but it is an opportunity to, for you to sh- watch it many times, have friends over because now we can have friends that have been vaccinated and share it with them as well. So it's another option. Um, Along with this, though, we did find out some additional releases that are added to this announcement. Uh, Cruella will actually be coming out uh, in May, uh, May 28th. Uh, And I don't know if you've seen the new trailer that just came out today. 
this is such a cool take on the character. I was really impressed. It's interesting. Um, and it feels like the Devil Wars Prada crossed over with like a weird villain uh, origin story. Interesting concept. Uh, that's like coming Harley out. Quinn. It kind of does in a way. It's it's kind of an interesting take. And I'm going to be interesting how she goes from like a fashion intern to like a supervillain who wants to kill puppies. So very weird. I don't know. It's it's very strange. But then that is going to be, once again, it's a, a theater plus uh, premier access. But then we have something that's a little bit different. Luca, which is a Pixar film, is only going to be exclusively on Disney Plus. It's actually skipping the theaters. And it's free. No fee. Nothing. So that's an interesting wow. hybrid approach. Yeah. Yeah, and then along with that, they did announce new dates for Free Guy, August 13th. That's the Ryan Reynolds film where he's basically playing an NPC in a video game. That looks very interesting. Um, That is going to be a theatrical release. Disney has not said they will do anything beyond the hybrid approach versus those two films we talked about previously. Shang-Chi now will come out September 3rd, 2021. That was moved from July, I believe. The Kingsman, uh, December 22nd, 2021. Deepwater, I have no clue what that is. January 14th, 2022, and Death on the Nile on February 11th, 2022. So uh, Disney's taking this approach, but I think Disney is banking on most people will be vaccinated that are adults by July. And I'm hearing rumblings that children between the ages of 12 and 16 will be next after that and hopefully by the fall. So all children will uh, that those children be vaccinated like my son, which would be great because we're most likely going to avoid theaters together until he can be vaccinated as well. Cool. Good deal. Yes, things progressing towards what was. It's, you know, it, it's the best outcome if it was like the world of The Walking Dead. So, yeah, there it's we go. A, it's, a, it's a sign that things are improving, which is what we right. need. Uh, next right. story, though, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. Developing three more spinoffs. So I don't know exactly where we're at because I know there was one that was in progress and there's some have been uh killed some are moving forward but apparently to deadline they're saying three series are tentatively titled sea snake flea bottom and Ten Thousand ships of the three sea snake is the furthest along development process with bruno heller uh from gotham and rome attached to be the creative team flea bottom and Ten Thousand ships are in earlier stages and do not have any writers attached and sea snake is said to it's supposed to explore corlias valerian who sealed everywhere from Dragonstone and Lice to the mysterious islands of Yaiti and Lang, eventually traveled north and served a passage that would take him around the top of Westeros and only found frozen seas and gigantic icebergs. So there we go. Um, I don't want to go more into what these series would be because we really don't know. It's so early on. I think there is another series that's already being developed that's further along for HBO Max. Um uh, I really enjoyed Game of Thrones, but it had um, some issues, obviously, because George R. R. Martin Railroad, Mr. Railroad, I guess, uh, has not even finished the books. So if we had waited until he finished, I don't know if we ever would get it because he's a, a he's an elderly gentleman. He's still writing these, so we might have got it. So regardless of how you felt it ended, it did end, but it was a hugely important series to HBO Max. So, gentlemen, your thoughts on this? After you, Charlie. You know, I'm 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 scarcely a fan, um, so I I don't know that this is a big draw for me. There are other people who love it a hell of a lot more than I do, which I respect. Um, but you know, and it's not like it ended on a high note because there's so much controversy around what really went on with it. So I guess I don't necessarily know what to make of it. So who's to say? Uh, maybe it'll come out. Maybe it'll be great, uh, and maybe it will stink and go away. I guess I. 
I'm somewhat jaded by the concept of like The Walking Dead, which was amazing once upon a time, and then they had a spinoff, and it was a whole lot of nothing, and then they had plans for TV movies, and it was nothing, and they had another spinoff that I think may have died on the vine. I just, I just don't know what's going on with this show, and even watching it now, it's just lost its luster. Um, so I don't know. I, who's to say if this could really be something great? Only one way to find out. I tend to echo Charlie's thoughts. I don't really have anything strong in that category at all. And I feel bad in the guest and I have nothing to offer in that one. <laughs> so I'm sorry there. No, and, and I'm not a fan of prequels typically, although I would say the best prequel I think we've ever gotten was the what Knights of the Old Republic with Star Wars, because it went so far away. You didn't have to worry that any of the characters you'd loved were basically going to be sullied or changed. They didn't talk about so-and-so's grandpa. It was just a story set in that part of the universe where it could tell its own tale and not have to worry about fan feedback. Uh, in this instance, if it's far enough away from what we know, new characters and things like that, that tell tales that aren't relying on other characters it could be successful but they've got a lot of heavy lifting to do like i said most prequels i don't know many prequels that are really successful maybe except godfather 2 which would had a part of a prequel with you know don corleone Uh, but this has got a lot i mean talk about expectations game of thrones having that on your back as a creator to say hey you know that phenomenon we had before streaming was a huge deal and people dropped and binged episodes yeah, try to create that again. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And, sure. And there's <laughs> well, there's an element too that did he finish Game of Thrones truly, and and nope. did he did he complete the first thing he started? And there is that uh, that riding his back, that monkey on his back, as it were, as well. And so there's a lot of weight that comes and gravitas that comes when you are as renowned as him and then to bring something to this to scale on that level is difficult and i can only imagine the expectations will be uh, daunting to say the least and i wonder if as it so often does the expectations keep us from enjoying the content right away and we, we end up being more critical than we are capable of just enjoying what is there yeah i, I think yeah, i think game of thrones is truly dependent on his work and his his you know basically taking that Bible and utilizing it versus the later seasons, which were basically they were riffing on kind of an outline they gave him, which is just tough to do as a creator. Um, these essentially are just going to be ideas probably George R. R. Martin kind of laid out, and they're developing their own. So they have less dependence on the source material and more of like just have a good time with the you know the idea and the the world that he's created. So it could be successful, but it could be horrible as well. So um, it'll be interesting. But HBO Max, at least with that platform we know they really focus on quality so i don't think they'd green light a piece of you know steaming dog poo here's the classes way anything is possible absolutely so charlie you got the next story man this is a little bit different it's a little bit less uh it's a little bit less uh heavy-handed it's it's just a fun story they put a little bit too less meat into it so who who still watches the simpsons i I do i do not so much. That was one that, you know, my kids were into it for a bit uh, and we kind of drifted back in. But I, I find my way uh, back to uh, the classic episodes from time to time. But, yeah, The Simpsons uh, has unveiled a significant part of their celebratory 700th episode uh, couch gag. The series uh, is hitting its 32nd season, longest primetime scripted television show in history. And they've, you know, what, what's what's the old gag with anything 
that is said is that the Simpsons have done it, it first. Soft yes, Park exactly. Yep. So and yeah, Family Guy made fun of that too. Yep. Exactly. So the the minute long uh, couch gag in this regard features a title card called Homer's Family, featuring a cartoon drawing of Homer by animator and graphic artist Bill Plimpton. Wow. Yes, uh, who previously animated the opening couch gag for select episodes of The Simpsons in the past. The drawing of Homer escalates to to wide and various objects before finally highlighting the trademark gag of the family sitting down together uh, in the crowds in the video attached subsequently. So, yes, it, it is. And look, it's kind of your misty colored memories of, of things gone by. That show has been on since 1990. We actually got that Christmas special uh, in, I believe that was in 1989, at, at the Christmas season. And the show, the characters themselves have been around uh, for a couple of years prior to that. It shorts on, of course, the Tracy Ullman show. So what a dynasty. 700 episodes. It's like, you know, the, the, the thousandth ep- issue of Action Comics. You know, nobody had ever really done it before. So it's just it's spectacular. I mean, think about that. I mean, it is. I remember watching that show when I was in junior high going into high school. Right. I mean, anything to actually still be relevant by this point mm-hmm. is ridiculous, because I think the, the 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 longest running thing before that was what? Rawhide or Bonanza or something like that. And well, Bonanza the, is no longer relevant. <laughs> all the, the soap operas, you know, the, yeah, the, you know, yeah, exactly. Which which I, you know, clearly is not spun into the same ball of wax or maybe this even outlasts those i suppose you really have to sit down and compare because those were scripted series as well but then they said prime time where soaps are daytime so yeah so this is with within categorically it's the biggest of its it's a 900 pound gorilla in its category so that that's great and did they say i i i just clicked away from do they give a date of when we're getting this march 21 but yeah, I, I've enjoyed the last couple of seasons because what they've done is really highlight characters you just have not seen in a long time, have not gotten the focus, and they've really continued to focus on pop culture. Uh, they talked about the basically the, the Christmas episode from last season was all about the Hallmark movies, which I thought was hilarious. They made oh Seymour gosh. Skinner basically the lead of a Hallmark movie, which made me laugh. And then they also did a uh, episode about the um, all the uh, murder podcasts like on npr which made me oh, laugh God. too yes yeah, it was, it was great. yeah yeah because because uh was it uh, uh grandpa grandpa simpson was basically accused of a murder and they made a podcast about it which i thought was hilarious oh, oh, it's the right no. time they continue to do that so yeah i feel like they're so luke do you have a favorite simpson episode or is it something you just don't even pay attention anymore simpsons was banned in my household when i was young no uh it was not allowed when i when i was a kid because i would too emulate much, all the characters uh, too much cowabunga dude yeah, you're not yeah. you're not the first person I've heard. My my close friend Miranda never watched the show because it was outlawed. Yeah. Uh, same thing. So yeah, it was just it was too controversial for that household. Mm-hmm. Now hindsight, I don't know that that was truly the case, and I will tell you, uh, I enjoy many other shows like Simpsons, but it never it never landed with me only by way of uh, time that I was exposed to it. Fair. Uh, did fair. you at least play the Simpsons arcade game? I did. I oh, did. There you go. Yeah, that's that's almost like watching the show. That was your fix. Exactly. (laughs) There was so much violence in that show. You just beat things up and that's how you won the the episode. Oh, well. (laughs) But yeah, check out The Simpsons. It's fun. It's all on Disney Plus now. I think they don't they have to wait, though, until the current season is done before they release it. It's actually no longer on Hulu. I looked at that. I'm like, oh, you don't get the new episodes of Hulu anymore. You have to wait. So it's a weird variant. But there you go. Well, how do you how do you how do you watch it then? Uh, I watch it. 
they do show some episodes on Hulu, but it's like onesie twosies. It's weird. It's it's a weird situation. So they they don't have current episodes on 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 Hulu. Is that what you're saying? Well, they do, but they're kind of delayed. But Disney Plus does not get the whole season. Oh, season's done. Yeah. So it's so it sounds like I shouldn't really break my back trying to get caught up because I might be juggling. Nope. So nope. that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to something that's really cool, because um, uh, the CW continues to pivot really from the Arrowverse and create a new generation of heroes. Batwoman, uh, Black Lightning have kind of then that new generation of heroes. Uh, and then we had uh, uh, Stargirl added to that group. And now they're adding a new character who is very new to the DC universe. And she is uh, that's Naomi. She was a character created by Brian Michael Bendis. And has found a lot of success. And it's a character I really want to read the comic. It's on DC uh, Universe Infinite now. And I really want to get into it. But it's really Harold. The art style is beautiful. And now it's going to be a CW show. So this is really impressive that a show or, or a show that is coming out based on a brand new uh, character. Almost like Miss Marvel with the MCU. Uh, you know, basically taking brand new characters and really introducing them to an audience. Before they've really been established like other characters that have been out there for years. So very cool. The, the background behind Naomi is basically it's uh, it follows a teen's girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. When a supernatural event shakes her town to the core, Naomi sets out to cover its origins. What she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. Um, and this is uh, Ava du- DuVernay is actually behind this as well. Wow, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, which she, she's a big name, and she's actually going to be very tied to the DC universe and some of the work she's going to bring forward. She's doing the new gods. Uh, she's wow. going to produce this and it's basically going to be coming to the cw and uh it's going to be interesting to see once again a woman of color a teen as the uh, protagonist it's very cool um and i'm going to definitely read the comic because it's out there now i can read it it was actually sold out when it originally came out so i never got a chance to read it then so i'm excited um i think this is cool um like i said i don't know a lot about the character but um it's just the visual style is once again just something exciting to me that i i just get drawn in and i've heard really good things about the story itself should i be looking into this character context here is that my my old tablet died Mm -hmm. and my new one courtesy of biden bucks are, are is arriving right tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so that means I will get to resubscribe to Comixology and, of course, get all my catalog that was available to me mm-hmm. when I had my tablet right, before. Right. Um, I am going to get Comixology for sure. DC Universe Infinite I have kind of heard about but not really don't know much about it. Uh, and bringing up this character that I'm unfamiliar with in this case, uh, is that something I should be looking into as far as getting a second subscription service? Will this stuff be available? Or is her characters or are her character stories available on Comixology? Thoughts? That's a good one because it's kind of interesting. Comixology is kind of a weird mix because it does have a lot of Marvel, has a lot of DC. It's just mm-hmm. there are gaps. And Charlie, I think he's I've, – I've tried to find things that are available on Comixology because that's his main comic. Yes, like, yeah. Broader. Yeah. Horizons. Right, I have yeah. yeah, I have different, you know, regular digital subscriptions that come in that way. All my Marvel codes I redeem and I read them that way. So I kind of even with Marvel Unlimited the service, I I've had it for years and I, I think it might actually be ending, which is kind of fine because we're not we haven't been using it. Um but it's easy to pick up again. Um but yeah, Comicsology Unlimited is definitely kind of where it's at uh right now uh for me. So yeah, so I prefer to kind of find things there because I'm you know, comfortable with the navigation and all that kind of good stuff. So, cool. um, if, 
it's a thing where DC now has improved that comic book service. Basically, it's like the old DC universe where it had the shows and everything, but it's eliminated the shows. That's all going to HBO Max primarily now and the CW. Uh, but they did improve the comic service where it's uh, issues are released onto that service after six months now. So there's not that huge gap. So you can ca- you can catch up that way. I looked. It's not on Comixology now as mm-hmm. it's part of an limited service. So it most likely will come probably after a year. But uh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, I would say yeah. That's the hard part right now because Marvel Ultimate and uh, uh, DC or Marvel Unlimited DC Universe. That's the catch-all if you really want to uh, catch in. But it is then if you do Comixology, Marvel Unlimited, basically you're tied into almost like twenty bucks a month. So mm-hmm. it may not be worth it if you're there, but it may be. Hey, I just want to spend a month and catch up. It's like six or seven bucks. I would do Comixology for sure, and then DC Universe would be the one. I probably wouldn't do Marvel because Comixology is enough Marvel content for my tastes. Right. No, I, I agree it. with that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and Comixology is great because it covers so many independent publishers. It just is a catch-up all so many good things. Manga, so I think it's one of the best services out there. And you know, it's Amazon, the you know the fifty thousand pound gorilla, but um, it's a great service. I really enjoy it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so this will be coming out most likely probably 2022, maybe fall 2021. But this is great. The the, the they showed uh, the the art. Uh, the actress playing her and she's so excited so great to see this uh then moving on to another surprise uh announcement which is i'm just just crazy about because she's one of my favorite characters that's really niche though which is zatanna totally this is a big one getting a a big yeah this is a big one for me because like my friend miranda were cosplayers this is one of her main ones so i've kind of come to appreciate the character from that but yeah neat is it justice league dark or dark justice league or whatever it is that she Uh, is a player in that yeah Yeah, there you go it's part of that universe yeah um, but she's been a great character. I mean, her father was Zorana, a famous magician. Uh, the fun thing about her is basically she says all her spells and it's backwards. So you can you have to look backwards to say what she's actually doing. And she's just a fun character. Her her costume is just she looks like a magician's assistant with fishnet stockings. So, uh, you know, and this is going to be done by J.J. Abram, Abrams Bad Robot Productions. Uh, we don't know a lot more about that, but I think it's a fun character because this is a character that can play – without even knowing the character, basically she's like, she's a magician and she can have adventures. And I'm assuming they will tie in parts of the dark DC universe, swamp thing, blue devil, um, all those different characters that are tied to that Dr. Fate. And I think this is fun to be so much fun. I hope it's done well. When I look at this, I have so many thoughts and they of course all tie into our major topic, which is of course the Snyderverse and what DC universe is doing with their uh, extended universe. How tied in are they? They've made films that are not part of their, their work. And the tone of this one is what I am indeed so curious about because I uh, really enjoy the DC animated universe. And that's where a lot of my Zatanna knowledge comes from, unless it's in uh, comics that are justice league based. I've never actually read something that is Zatanna specific. Uh, that said, how dark, forgive the pun, will ah. the movie go? Uh, really, where will they venture? Of course, we've had Swamp Thing uh, live action stuff before, and it hasn't done well in terms of mass market appeal, regardless of quality. Uh, where they will take this character, how dark will the universe be? Uh, where are they willing to go? Because there are versions uh, of worlds that she's existed in that are very, very heavy and very dark. 
and others where she is comedic and she's almost a comedic element uh, to it. There's some where she's in a relationship with the question and others where she's with uh, John Constantine and those that in and of itself kind of depicts where she may end up on some level. But uh, she has, seems to have uh, the right kind of people guiding her and stewarding this type of uh, movie on paper. What DC wants to do with their film franchises, whether or not they're all going to be intertwined, uh, those are the questions that I I would have whenever I see a DC casting uh, in the movie space. So curious, fun, exciting, always love more superhero stuff. Um, I also hope that she's not uh, over-sexualized or comedic. I want her to be a serious character uh, and taken seriously because there's so much potential there. I don't want her to be written for comedic gags if that makes sense yeah that's the that's the real danger and and kind of what i would be afraid of um a la you know uh joss whedon and his you know gratuitous let's zoom in on you know gal gadot's ass and his yep. er, his version of the movie yeah so yeah that that, that it, just based on in general how the the character of zatanna is dressed that that is my fear as well so well the good news is it's going to be directed by Emerald Fennell, uh, who directed uh, a new movie that's getting a lot of uh, buzz. Actually, the uh, it's called Promising Young Woman. Uh, actually, uh, the lead character in that is nominated for an Oscar. It's about a woman basically who takes uh, a sexual assault and uses that as a motivation to basically exact revenge. So she can take a she could basically put an edge to this with a strong female character. Uh, but you know, I don't think people really want a revenge tale about a DC character. Uh, it, it'd be kind of great to see a, a, a female character with some bite and some maybe some self-deprecation, but also a little bit of a wit that we don't normally see, which would be great. Um, more in the vein of probably like birds of Par- uh, birds of prey, uh, but maybe a little bit more PG thirteen rather than R. So. We'll see how this goes. When you're describing the promising young woman plot, and then when I connect dots to Zatanna, it makes me worry a little bit because it sounds very similar to what they did with Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, which was not a Joker movie. It was just a really good movie. Right. It was a very depressing movie, but it didn't feel like it was part of the DC pantheon of heroes or villains. It just felt like a story where a guy called himself Joker for like two seconds and happened to be a clown. It didn't feel like a DC movie. And so I wonder if that's a route they're going to take uh, at all. But in my mind, I would think this is going to fall in line with something where like Shazam was, you know, yeah, it kind of dark, kind of silly, yeah, a little in between there, foot in, in and out of the, of the pond as it were. Yeah. It'd be nice to see just someone being sarcastic to demons. That'd be great. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. John Constantine's got to be in the movie, right? He's got to show Oh, up. that'd be great. Yeah. Bring him in. Yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. Oh, which one? Wow. Exactly. Which one would we get? Yes, yes. Uh, yes. Excellent. Well, that is it for the news this week, gentlemen. But it's time for us to get some libation and get our geek on. And we're going to the geeky Z. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the geeky Z. The cover band's plan. We are socially distanced. Masks are off as long as we sit together and only do that when we drink. And it's time to get our geek on. And this week, really, it's one thing. And that's one the thing. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The only one. thing. Yes, yes, yes. So we kind of all aligned on that's what we were done. I was kind of lazy, so I didn't do anything else. But yeah, this is this is a big deal because this is, you know, Marvel going basically back to back with a new TV series right. in a different tone. Very, um, yeah, very different, but certainly very, uh, very in line uh, with what you expect from the Captain America yes. 
side slice of the MCU, which is the hard hitting action, the punching, the kicking, the explosions, the high flying. Um, yeah, th- and this is this is this is my most anticipated Marvel anything uh, of of 2021. Uh, though certainly excited for Black Widow, it's going to be great. And whatever might follow, Loki sounds great. WandaVision was great. But this is where I'm at. This is drawing from, and I, I, I feel like I talk about it every episode. I've already talked about this episode. Your classic 80s cap, Mark Gruenwald stuff, John Byrne stuff, uh, talking about uh, the super patriot John Walker, the U.S. agent. Uh, and then, you know, segueing into Cap Falcon, which is a little bit more modern. But this just got all of that going. So, you know, it, it's fleshing out right from the jump. We see that Falcon is back on the job. And, Todd, you're going to kick me. I, I don't know why I never connected that he was in the Air Force. I thought for some reason he was in the Army. I don't know why I thought that. Ooh. I know. I'm so sorry. Because you, because you never end up seeing him in uniform, that would have been a dead giveaway. Sure. But I, I was just watching The Witcher Soldier because I'm doing kind of a slow background playthrough of the MCU right now. So I just had The Winter Soldier on this, mor- this morning or yesterday. And the entire time you see Falcon, it's not even made explicitly clear that he's active duty. It sounds like it, it, it sounds like it, it, I, I thought he was I thought he was out of active duty, like he was I, released I, from duty as well. I th- I thought so too, but then you know he says, yeah, I'm now I'm down at the VA helping out, and so I didn't, th- you know, and he's you see him in you never see him in uniform, he's always in civvies. So I thought he was out, um, but no, in this, you know, it's six months has passed since the blip, so it's not even uh, it, it's in the time before um, Spider Man, but uh, Spider Man Far From Home, which took place nine months later or a year later, um, almost that long. So and then two you know, months, watch- it's two months prior to the Far From Home. Right, and WandaVision was um was almost was three or four weeks after the end yes. of Endgame. So, um so yeah, so this is this is in between those two things. Uh, Falcon is back on the job. Uh, Bucky is in counseling. He's a civilian, but he's he's twelve stepping his way through life, uh, trying to make amends uh, by finding people he's wronged or even exposing people that he's helped, which you see him uh, talk about in a flashback. He exposes this uh, senator who had been propped up by Hydra who continued to do bad things. But he has, you know, he has his three rules. You can't kill anybody. Uh, you have to say the, you know, basically his, you know, AA kind of message. Hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm making right the wrongs. And then uh, the, what, what was the third thing? Be nice. Uh, Cross- don't break the law. Yeah. Don't kill anyone. Yeah, I am no longer the Winter Soldier. I think is what he yes, had to yes, say. Yes, exactly. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. So, so yeah. So his arc is pretty much that he's alone. He's isolated. Uh, he's dealing with this. He's befriended an old man in his neighborhood. Uh, but the problem is the old man uh, is actually the father of a guy he killed back during his Winter Soldier times. And this old man's name is on the list, and he just hasn't gotten around to actually divulging it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because he's caught up kind of in an emotional quandary. So uh, taught me a great new drinking game that goes with Battleship, which I was never aware of. Anybody else know that? So Battleship, the, like the, the the movie with, what's her name, uh, Rihanna? No, the board game that he's playing when he's on oh, his day. Oh, I was thinking about that, that horrible movie with Rihanna. That, <laughs> with that hot bartender, yeah. Uh, no, uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, you, you t- have a miss and then you... Um, and then you take a drink. I love that. Sure. I might, might have might have to give that a try. But I love that. You know, it wasn't all just raw Rick in action. It was was it? I didn't even check the time. Was it forty five minutes? You kind of standard uh, like forty two with with uh, the intro and the uh, title, uh, basically the the credits. Right. So basically about forty two minutes of content. So we're setting things up for. It's great they've got the flag smashers or flag smasher who was 
a pivotal villain from that uh, from that era, but it um, very much kind of touches upon the fact that in this post blip world, everything is jumbled up. During the blip, you know, nationality nationalities and, and lines on a map kind of fell apart. Now that the world's come back together, there's some who don't want it to go back that way. So that is where the rub is going to come in. That's where, you know, Baron Zemo is going to come in. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, they, they don't appear together in this episode, but obviously that's coming up. But this is just six episodes, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit, yeah, that's him, man. Oh, he's the guy. Yeah, that's just a few... Uh, that's just a few issues before w- the one that uh, you gave us today. So, yeah. Yeah, um, Luke, yeah. I uh, put a picture of the Flag Smasher. He's basically a big dude with a white a uniform with a weird cape. So, yeah, right. he looks a little bit different than a guy with a mask and long hair. Well, and it's going to be uh, – and apparently Aaron uh, Kellyman, actress Aaron Kellyman, who was uh, – uh, what's-her-face in the Star Wars – the solo of the Star Wars movie, uh, Emphis Ness, who, mm. who was the, the like the, the swoop bike-riding rebel. Yeah. Uh, that's that actress is going to be potentially a female version of this character. So oh, okay. that, that is something that we might end up seeing. So that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and, and Zach, you know, the way this episode was, it was a dichotomy. We ended up the whole episode with actually not joining the two characters together. And that was interesting. So it, we're still waiting for that point of where do they get the convergence? They're both dealing with issues. Um, they both, I mean, we had big, I would say, interesting big like uh uh set pieces but one was from the past one was from the future uh we got batrock kind of coming back as the villain which is a, a saucy frenchman a gymnast uh back again and i i gotta say i was for a tv series with that level of uh execution was pretty cool you know going between the helicopters in and out that type right. of thing it was pretty impressive and then we had obviously the really cool almost like the the spy film element of the winter soldier doing his dirty work in the past was right. pretty impressive, but there was a lot of downtime and more character development. I, I right. felt very much like in the way that uh, Captain America civil war really felt like an Avengers movie. This felt like the sequel to Captain America and the winter soldier. Yeah. Right. Now, this felt true, like true. very in line with, with tonally with those things. I really loved seeing Batrock come back uh, because George R. St. Pierre, very capable martial artist and, and well-known in, in those spheres. But I really liked his portrayal of Batroc, who's been very comedic at various points in his display, at least especially in the animated uh, Spider-Man shows. At, at he needs a points. mustache, though. That's the really what's disappointing is that, that long mustache. Yes. He looks a lot like Waluigi in those <laughs> versions. Uh, but I really liked that. He was leaping out of buildings. He was flying in a way that might uh, put Falcon on his toes. You know, it was a way to comfortably rival Falcon's abilities and have scenes where he could be battling using his wings and it be perhaps not fair, but at the very least kind of in the same vein. You could have shots of them together battling in the air of sorts uh, on the wingsuits. The premise was interesting. It was ripe with Easter eggs, as you would expect Marvel to consistently do they've realized their money is made when they open doors uh in small and subtle ways which is is good um the time period that you guys were referencing i had missed out on i didn't make the connection that far from home was so far into the future from these shows i remember that wandavision was almost immediately after the blip um but it was kind of in my mind just all one big you know kind of in the same time zones so it'll be interesting to see if they uh, make any notes or we see Fury show up or the, or the scrolls or anything like that at some point even past 
joke about uh, the base on the moon certainly felt like it was a reference, uh, you know, comedically to Fury being in space. You know, there's a, we're talking full spoilers. Am I correct on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're listening to Secret Friends. You know, I got you. All right. Um, nonetheless, uh, it was, I thought, a really great episode. Uh, and as thrilled as I was uh, with it, it felt a little bit par for the course in some ways. Because we had the Snyder Cut right next to it, which felt like an epic Endgame Infinity War style event. And then we'd, we have this show that feels a lot like, as I said, Captain America the Winter Soldier 2, or a sequel to it. And so while I think it was better in many ways than almost every, uh, or, or almost any of the, let me back up, it felt like it was better than many of the MCU film outings, it felt par for the course because that is the standard to which I hold them at. Which was a, an interesting bit, but I really liked watching Sam struggle and note certain elements. They had a few, uh, a few very poignant elements of struggling to survive, making ends meet, how the world would treat people of color, how the world would treat people that were trying to, to make ends, or what it would mean in the financial market if you blipped back in and tried to get a loan. All of these very practical and logical things that you would expect – and then a guy just trying to do right. Uh, it does seem odd to me, though, very all seriousness, that the Falcon, a member of the Avengers, doesn't have access to enough money to pay for a boat. In some way, shape, or form, it felt like an, an odd oversight to to not have like what 50k, 100k somehow. Right. That just seems a little bit off, but you know, so be it. It does make for a great way to point out some issues. Yeah, right. Charlie's a big nerd about the Avengers, and I believe there was a stipend in the comics. Yes. Yeah, and, and yes. even in the 80s, the stipend in the comic for Active Duty Avengers in the early 80s was $1,000 a week, which I cranked the numbers on that. My favorite uh, my favorite app on my phone is the inflation calculator, so let me let me kind of throw at the, for what, in, you know, 1980, 1980, there was number, in $1980, $1,000 was $3,200 a week. That's what the Avengers were, were bringing so he be, up. You know, that's a, that's a good six-figure salary. That's, you know, yeah, he could right. definitely afford that uh, loan, Luke, to your point. So and It's not like you do it for money, but, like, I'm sure somebody's going to buy the guy a boat. Yeah, right? come on. He yeah, wanted right. a selfie. He was like, can I have a selfie? I'm turning your like, what? <laughs> You'd be prepared to be slapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was interesting because you talk about that dynamic. He's obviously a vet. He's doing these missions. But, you know, I was a captain in the Air Force and the military doesn't pay very well. So I don't know how he's doing these type of like almost subcontractor missions, essentially, at this point. It's kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, it's an odd point. Um, it is interesting to see how the world economy would be ruined by essentially blipping 50 percent of the population. The world economy would change. I mean, it would. And right. then by the time it came back, what do you do? And it's not right. like those missions he's running for contract aren't combat missions with hazard pay, you would oh, think, well, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Well, the government, you know, they, they have their ways. I was in yeah, a combat sure zone and never got com- combat pay. But they, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an interesting viewpoint. And it was kind of each of the, the – I mean, I always said this about this. I've always said it's a shame that Captain America, you know, Chris Evans, only got about – Eight hours of screen time in how many years? But we're going to get Bucky 
and we're going to get Falcon, who is going to get how much screen time now because of the series. In six episodes, they're going to potentially surpass what Cap got and what Robert Downey Jr. got. And, and that's where I would always say that movies are great for spectacle and developing you know, interesting events and, and really they can tell some interesting stories, but you don't get the characterization. It's kind of like we're Star War, Star Trek versus Star Wars, right? You well, get – yeah. And I'm sorry, I jumped in. Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. And and Star Wars, right? We've seen more Mandalorian than we have of the original trilogy cast, right. of the sequel trilogy cast, of the prequel trilogy cast, um, with the prequel trilogy, cav- trilogy caveat that there has been some uh, – animated versions of those characters. Right, right, right. Got much time in there and versus mm-hmm. in the, the actual movies, yeah. And I would argue, and I, and I would steadfast argue this, I believe, that these shows in any universe, Marvel, Star Wars, DC, had, have the potential to make the movies that much better. For example, I feel like Rise of Skywalker was rushed, right, in, in the Star Wars universe. The shows have the potential to flesh out characters that offer them far more meaning, Right. And uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier may indeed make the Winter Soldier and Falcon as characters and their portrayals in the films that much more impactful, that much more relevant. Seeing Falcon in Wakanda in Infinity War might mean more to us after we've watched this show. It might mean something more special to us at various points so they can really flesh out and do a lot for the cinematic uh, or the, the film versions of the universes. Uh, beyond just what we see in the show, but you're right. As far as like minutes on screen, there's a big, big talking point to be had there. Yeah, and, and Charlie, just think about this. I mean, I've had people like Corey Derrick Hudson who said Wanda is now my favorite MCU character. Nobody would have ever said that after those Marvel movies, but with that series getting the right. character, it just builds like context to you. So what? you've got the context because you've got the years of comic books, but you know. Right. Uh, And now with this, I mean, we're going to see Bucky dealing with a different concept of Cap, where Cap was a man out of time, but he wasn't a a basically war criminal. He wasn't a person that was brought out every five years to kill people mercilessly and now have to live with it. So we're getting a different perspective. And to say, hey, Bucky, you want a date now? That's crazy. We didn't get Cap on the, you know, his first date. Right. That's just a really cool perspective. Right. For sure. So I'm fired up. Obviously, these uh, they're they're on for the next six weeks every Friday. April and I always get up at the crack of dawn anyway. It's just our thing, so we watch this right away. Um, so really looking forward to it. This is gonna be this is this is my jam. Yeah, my, I mean, je- we're my get, jelly, my jelly, and my jam. We haven't even seen Sharon Carter as Zemo, so we're gonna get more of that, and I'm sure we're gonna get more surprises. Obviously, we get uh, you know War Machine showed up in episode one, maybe comes back. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Exact. Exact. Amundo. So cool. Well, that's a wrap, yeah. Is it now time for the main event? Oh, it is. This is going to be exciting. Luke, I hope you have your passport because we're going to the Thunderdome. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina. Means I've been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, it's a topic that's going to be exciting. This is going to be interesting because, wowee, wow, we've got Justice League... The Snyder Cut, JLA, so, or more more appropriately, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We should we should probably sure. focus on calling it the actual name of the film. The actual like, name. Everybody is calling it Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut. That's not you know that that is not actually what it's called, but essentially it's the same thing. Yes, it's your tomato tomato. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Charlie. So we've got a 
breakdown. So we're going to kind of manage this a couple different ways. You're going to take it over when I basically done introducing it. Basically, we've got the actual meat of what this entails at the snydercut.com. So Charlie, yes. you want to go through that really quick? I will. I will. I will kind of skim through the synopsis here. Uh, so in Zack Snyder's Justice League, determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was in vain, Bruce Wayne uh, aligns forces with Diana Prince in a plan to create a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. The task provides more difficult, as Bruce imagined, as each recruit must face their own demons of their past and transcend what has held them back, allowing them to come together, finally forming an unprecedented League of Heroes. Now united Batman, Affleck, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, uh, Aquaman, Jason Momoa, uh, Cyborg, Ray Fisher, and The Flash, Ezra Miller. Maybe too late to save the planet from Steppenwolf, Desaad, and Darkseid and their dreadful intentions. Yes, so we'll go through what the Snyder Cut is. I'm going to read this really quick. Uh, Luke, if you want to give what the, uh, basically, what is the different cut? Because it's basically this link kind of goes through this. It's pretty good. Summary. Basically, uh, the Snyder Cut, though, it's uh, what Zack Snyder shot 100% of his own vision. Basically, there was a family tragedy in May 2017, which basically made him step away. Um, And then Joss Whedon was brought in, who wrote 90 new script pages. Uh, uh, Snyder basically uh, assembled five hours of finished film which then uh, was cut to three and a half hours for his director's cut, which obviously then he added in his epilogue, things like that. But Whedon then cut down to two hours long and only ultimately used 30 to 45 minutes of Snyder's uh, original footage, uh, basically removed Junkie XL and brought in uh, Danny Elfman. Uh, So as you can see, that's kind of what happened overall. Very quick summary. There was a lot of controversy uh, with Josh Whedon, Ray, Ray uh, Fisher. Uh, we won't go into that really, but that leads into basically why is this getting cut? Why is this getting released? This is all about uh, Zack Snyder basically being allowed to get come in and give his director's vision. But Warner Brothers did say this would have never been theatrically released because a four-hour film is just not really tenable. Uh, but it did allow him to get a seventy million dollar budget to really uh, do things with VFX. And he only filmed an extra four to five minutes on top of that footage. So, Zach, how are uh, sorry. So, Luke, how is the footage different? That is a huge question. And so, <laughs> I mean, we will probably have to break down and, and discuss varying elements of it. But um, before we talk about the, the footage, I do want to note, that, like, this was meant to be movie three out of five that he had envisioned with the potential for offshoots. So Man of Steel was meant to start his universe Batman vs. Superman, the extended edition, offers a lot of nuggets of information that were really fleshed out in this this four-hour version of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, it is a shame how everything happened, that, that people were exposed to the 2017 version that was released, uh, that was only you know 30 to 40 minutes of his vision, and had so much... I, I hate calling it – it was really a dumpster fire of a movie because WB got so gun-shy as to what they wanted from their cinematic universe. They saw how successful Marvel was, and they wanted to emulate that, but that is not at all how, one, Zack Snyder's films have ever been made prior to superhero stuff. Uh, you look at 300 and uh, – I suppose prior to, to – uh, 
a cinematic universe, right? Like we saw Watchmen, we saw 300 and some of his other work. And it would only have been this way. But WB, I don't I guess they changed their mind, got cold feet and brought Whedon in. And because of HBO Max being starved for content, because of the fan outcry, because of a number of probably uh, I don't know if you would call them political elements, but certainly social movements in, ter- in, in terms of anti Whedon thoughts for, for good reason. Uh, this cut really was perfect for this time period of being released onto a subscription service. And we are now getting to see what the original director's vision would have been from the man who started the cinematic universe, from what began with storyboards on Man of Steel through Batman vs. Superman with tying tied elements to the first Wonder Woman movie, not 1984, uh, but to elements of Suicide Squad and now into this Justice League, which would have been the first of three Justice League movies, you can really see in a four-hour version where he was trying to go and what he was trying to set up for potential storylines. And so there is a lot to break down within it. Um, But that setup really, to me, uh, offers a lot of talking points, to say the least. Yeah, it definitely does. So I will break down these little differences really quickly, how they put it, and then we'll talk about the overall aesthetic and and where we think this is going to go basically you do get a different visual aesthetic the uh just even the aspect ratio it's 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 tall rather than wide don't want to get more complicated than that for anybody else because it really wanted a a cinematic experience versus the broad which is more of a a tv uh 16 by 9 uh basically once again we talked about the score just as Junkie XL is back in, Danny Elfman's out. Uh, we also get Superman in his iconic black suit, which I was actually surprised it was in there as much as it was. Steppenwolf no longer looks really weird, but he does get a very pointy suit. Darkseid is fully in this movie. Desaad, Granny, you know, uh, Granny Goodness is in this as well. Uh, we get lots of new scenes, especially in the epilogue, which we'll talk about, which expanded roles for characters we even didn't even see um, characters that were never even uh, mentioned with Martian Manhunter is in this thing as well. Uh, Ryan Choi, who is a different version of the Atom, is in this as well. Um, and then we didn't get uh, the mustache gate because that was actually filmed by Whedon and the CGI was in there. So we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, and then a lot of the dialogue was put back in a lot less yucks per minute um, and a lot less jokes. Uh, and it became a four hour runtime film. So, Charlie, it's all yours. It's all mine. Well, God, what am I going to do now? Uh, I'm going to talk about what I'm digging on. Is that was? Are we to that point here? Absolutely. We'll give our overall opinions and pros and cons, and then we'll give our scale on uh, a scale of Lex Luthor's, which we'll try to not make too complex. But we had a fun time talking about our right. scale. And Luke is just uh, joking. He's just thinking we're dumb, but that's okay. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, I did it in two ways, and I don't know if your guys' notes reflect this, but I did a versus the original cut, and then I did my pros and cons of of the new one. So, th- did your guys' notes echo that at all, or should I just should I just keep it to the pros and cons of the new one and just leave? I leave? did not rewatch, so I have no context. I mean, it's what I remembered from 2017. Quite honestly, gotcha. All I'm right, familiar so, enough with the with the 2017 version that I can go I, I can go with you. If you'd okay. Like to. Well, I, I had some I <laughs> I had some I, I had a great analogy in here that I really want to share. Uh, so I will go this version versus the original cut, and then we and then we can break into pros and cons for the new version. But uh, this versus the original cut. Picture this: you have a McDonald's Happy Meal, which you put in a blender, cardboard and all. You liquefy it, and then you drink it. That is what watching this movie is like. 
the 2017 movie. The whole movie, it's a sprint, not a race. Exposition is being given away like candy by random characters like the robber at the beginning saying, Superman's dead? Is that why aliens are invading? It's just it's, it's, it's awful. The quips don't land. They're giving away plot points just to keep things moving. Uh, there's an even worse one in here that my wife just absolutely blew up about. Oh yeah, her example is uh, when they're in the bar. They're in the bar in Iceland, and Batman uh, Bruce looks and says, "What are those boxes in this drawing? What the fuck is that?" God, and just absolutely just like got to get it out of the way. Here we go. It's like they're throwing a frisbee. Got to get things out of the way. I mean, Char- Charlie, I yeah. equated when I was when I was talking about this to my wife. And, and trying to sell her on the idea of watching the four-hour movie with me, and she asked how it was different. I My analogy was if you were to have two uh, Bible stories in front of you, and one was told by a four-year-old with a coloring book, and the other, <laughs> and the other told by a third-year grad student in, in studying philosophy, where he was just overly indulgent of himself, and it's the same story beats here and there. Like you're gonna get the main pillars, but one's gonna be told like with that coloring book where you miss everything and you're getting that sprint, and the other is gonna be really slow and deep and thematic and artistic, uh, to the point where some might even bail out. But that was the analogy that I used. So I, I dig that uh, your thought process there, Charlie. You know, April went through and verified. So the the, uh, the J- Jack Snyder's Justice League is just over four hours long. The uh, the Justice League, the Joss Whedon oh, one. Boy, which that's that, a good that's uh, a good take. That Justice was that was League. yeah, and I I, w- I would love to claim it was mine, but Todd, you know where it came from because oh were, my goodness, let's not talk about that podcast. Yes, but I talk about another podcast that I'm very fond of, but the Justice League uh, is is two hours long. So what April uncovered is that. Uh, Zack Snyder's film is three hours of original content with one hour of what was released in the theaters. That is astonishing. Mm -hmm. That is astonishing to me. What a crazy achievement that is. Um, But I just walking away from the other film, the, the dialogue is wooden. Steppenwolf is just sucks. He just, he's terrible to look at. Again, he's throwing exposition out sideways. You know, Mustache Gate is even worse when you watch it again. I don't know if it's worse on the small screen, but it's just awful. And all of that is gone from Zack Snyder's film. I don't miss the the random Russian peasant family arc. Oh, boy. Yeah, they just disappeared. That's totally gone. And then the, like, creepy, like, forced sexual tension between Batman and Wonder Woman. It's nice not to see that. Look at my scars, Diana. Look at my scars. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or where they they touch each other's hands. Ooh, sorry. So, I, yeah, I don't miss any of that shit. I'm glad it's all gone. So I'll move on to what I loved about the new film. This is an actual narrative through line. Things are developed. There's character development. There is a explanation of what the determination of the plot is. Um, it's not just very random and bits and pieces and look at this thing on a wall. And this robber asked a dumb question. You know what I mean? It's it's awesome. Uh I loved the tale of the past where, you know, the ancient humans and the Atlanteans and the gods of old and the freaking Green Lanterns. The Guardians of the Sky. The Guardians of the Sky. The Atlanteans, the the Amazons, the men, and then, yeah, so just watching that was absolutely fantastic. I will admit the CGI still feels kind of plasticky, but... I don't in know. parts, in parts, yeah, I agree with parts. you. Other parts, I, I would disagree, but there are parts where you're like, oh, I, I bet you that was done 
recently. Right. right. <laughs> that exactly. was a COVID rush. Right. Yeah, exactly considering right. he only formed what he only filmed another four minutes, so uh, right. of actual footage to actually then say we're going to put this all together again. That's kind of impressive. Right. Exactly. So the Barry Allen storyline so much more well fleshed out, uh, and you get Iris too, and that's just so tender. I loved it. Uh, even though it was extraordinarily brief. But yeah, you got a better fleshing out of him and his relationship with his dad and then him talking about anxiety. There's nothing about brunch, which makes me super happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then really the heart and soul of the story and, and, and obviously very mired in controversy with everything uh, between Warner Brothers and Ray Fisher. But, uh, you know, Victor Stone is the heart and soul of this story. He really, from, from everything, from really learning about his origin to the sacrifice his father makes and everything. By the way, this is full spoilers. If you haven't watched the movie, sorry. <laughs> um, but I, th- I thought that was absolutely kind of the right choice um, to, to proceed in. And I, like I said, I watched it twice and I did not feel, and again, we had to break it up because again, just through the normal course of life, you're not going to really sit for four hours and do, you know, half a work day and sit nonstop and watch something. So it was a little bit here was a little bit there. Um, but, but digesting it again, it was just, they they really pulled it off. They really took what I thought was a real steaming pile, uh, and and just uh, just uh, an absolute faceplant by Warner Brothers uh, in trying to bring all these things to the big screen and turn it into something that that I would have sat for four hours in theater to watch. I really would have, with several piss breaks, without a doubt. I'm I'm inclined to agree, and I'll, I'll jump in on that one if that's okay, Todd. Please. Uh, the I've watched it twice at the time of this recording and important to note that I really enjoyed man of steel. It's among my favorite movies, uh, superhero movie or otherwise. I love it. I just, I love the the artistic expression of that character. Uh, I thought he really captured a lot of what a modern day Superman might go through, uh, in a very different way than say the CW verse is doing with Superman, which is an equally cool interpretation. Um, but I really liked what he started there and there was a tremendous amount of gravitas placed on Superman's death at the end of Batman vs. Superman, particularly in the extended cut. And other movies referenced it. Suicide Squad uh, referenced it. Uh, Aquaman kind of glazed, I believe, briefly over it, if, it, if at all. But in the original 2017 version, it it didn't feel the same way. It didn't have the same impact on the story, despite it being their motivation, which was amusing in and of itself. But this movie opens with a slow, methodical, and very purposeful point to make that Superman's death was felt by the world in very different ways, but all of them impactful. And it took me a second to really recognize what was happening in that moment. And once I did... uh, Scenes from Batman vs. Superman made sense where Lex Luthor is saying the bell cannot be unrung. Well, then we when he died, we saw, you know, his his, you know, yell essentially ringing the bell of the mother boxes. And then it was explained later on. It's like, oh, the mother boxes were not going to call Steppenwolf until Superman was gone. They were afraid. They were afraid, which is really interesting because we were it's unclear in early Man of Steel and Batman for Superman, just what Superman's power level is. It is very clear in this version, whether he powered up post-death or not, we are very clear as to just how capable and strong he is. Um, from the from the moments where he puts down the whole Justice League, who are holding back at first, but then Wonder Woman seems to unload on him, and he just rocks her 
down into the ground with, with the headbutts back and forth. Uh, and then to the level of violence in the movie, which added a, a level of seriousness that was missing in the 2017 version. When you watch uh, Zack Snyder's Steppenwolf, spikes and all, the spikes were a bit of a, a meme prior to the movie coming out. Now it makes perfect sense. This is a villain. He has a story. He's on a quest to be redeemed in the eyes of his nephew, ironically, but in Dark Side, this terrible monster that that exists in multiple universes. He wants to be that powerful enough to to earn back his favor, and he owes him fifty thousand worlds. The scale at which we're operating is intense, and for Superman to at the end of the movie, I mean. Uh, take down this guy who has been cleaving Amazons in half and, and taking down uh, all types of warriors throughout the film and going toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman and Aquaman all at the same time. For Superman to you know, take off one of his horns and beat Steppenwolf to a pulp was, was a level of power that really made sense for why uh, Steppenwolf's line of no lanterns, no Kryptonian made such an important uh, impact and why it was such a big deal. Uh, the slow methodical scenes and the, the dedicated time to each of the heroes was wonderful, I thought, because uh, apart from from I thought it was a little bit too long. We stayed on Iris, Charlie, when, when he kind of moved her hair a little bit. I did get I was like, all right, we're, we're, we're would you like more hot dogs, sir? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was just oh, weird. Yeah. And yeah. that was one. Of, that was one of my notes, too, is that we spent how much time with the. The, the slow-mo bit it was just mm-hmm. to me it was as bad as my, my other big hang-up which i'll get to when yeah the, the theme of slow-mo is would have yeah it seems like it's an indulgence uh, but yeah we'll go it was that. an indulgence as was the wonder woman theme song but <laughs> but i really liked it because it showed an arc with barry that we didn't get in the other film and i didn't like ezra miller's flash until this movie mm-hmm. nor did i like cyborg until this movie mm-hmm. um Aquaman had a great movie in and of itself as standalone, but but this version and Jason Momoa's version that's envisioned in Zack Snyder's has a level of of seriousness and respect that I don't think it was afforded in the other version. There was no silly bit about Wonder Woman being hot and Amazon's fighting and which which always felt out of place, but you know, with the context of Whedon and then what we have now, it's all that much more offensive. That, um, yeah, that that he's disgusting, absolutely. Yeah. Correct. And I was ignorant to that particular fact. To me, this was the guy that made Buffy Avengers 1 and 2. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I saw Justice League, I was like, that sucks. And yeah, now right. to know what we know, it's that much more egregious. But I go back to the point of each character was given their due. And they were given their due well before Superman had time. And Superman's in the movie for, what, 20 minutes? Right. And that, exactly. Yeah. Makes the most of it, by the way. But the rest of the characters had a chance to matter. And the Justice League fought Steppenwolf without Superman multiple times. And they held their own. And Superman did not save the day, as it were. He let Ray save the day. He let Cyborg do his thing. He stopped Steppenwolf so Cyborg could beat the Mother Boxes. That's awesome. And th- and not to say anything else, uh, obviously I love this, this movie a lot. Um, and there are a lot of more talking points I have. But visually... I was stunned by all the moments we had where Wonder Woman mimicked her comic counterpart, where where Barry mimicked his comic counterpart. And they were artistic and beautiful. And you could freeze frame so many of those shots and put them into comic storyboards 
and you got the level of emotion that I, as a 12-year-old, had in the 90s looking at comics. And as a 12-year-old looking at comics from the 70s and 80s and, and even 60s, where I just felt like these people were gods, these people were, were people, and they were broken, and they were perfect in all the right ways. And I loved it. I was just so appreciative. And Batman wrote on faith at one point. That was beautiful for such an angry Batman. Right, to say, big time. Faith, Alfred. And it worked. It worked. It wasn't cheesy. It was cool. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I I get very emotional because it was everything I wanted in a superhero film for me from my DC heroes, which had not been afforded. I love Dark Knight. I love Michael Keaton's Batman. I love all of them. I love all my superheroes. But this felt special in a way that I was I was moved to, I guess. Sorry. I'm, I I'm going to stop. No, I'm going to stop you right there because I need to go to the little boys room. I'll be back in a second because I don't want to stop anybody. So give me a second. I'll be back. Charlie, did I get excited and cut you off earlier? I'm sorry. No, God, no, no. I mean, like I said, the the, the passion uh, that someone who's a true DC person cutting through all of this, that's that's what that's what this episode needs. So, God, by all means, take take your liberties. Liberties taken. Liberty, liberty, liberty. You got it, buddy. I, uh, I, one of the things I really want to talk about is Jason Todd, um, and his potential impact on this universe and what, what he may or may not be. Do you, do you, have you heard anything about Jason Todd in, in this movie film? Well, I, I haven't. I mean, it's, it's obviously very heavily laden from not only hints that were dropped for Batman versus Superman with the, the defaced glass case. And it's very obvious that this Joker murdered Jason Todd, or at least that's the vibe I get. And then obviously what, what we've seen in this, uh, in the epilogue of this film as well, but what, um, what, yeah, what am I missing out on? What, what else got said? Well, I, I will say, I'll share this in the podcast. That suit that's written all over is Dick Grayson's Dick is dead. Oh, oh. Dick wow. is dead. Mm-hmm. Heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like he in one of the BBS shots, you can like uh, you see it's Grayson's grave. Wow. Um, Heavy. So, and I'll share it on the on, when we start recording again. But that yeah, that please. is Grayson's thing. And uh, well, let me share it. What's I, I want to know. I want to hear your reaction on, on the show and, and know if it's if I'm stretching too far. But I think it's pretty cool. All right. You guys ready for me? Let's do it in five, four, put your edit point in five, four. Oh, hold on a second. One thirty nine. All right. All right. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Awesome. Thank you, Luke, very much. That's I mean, that's what we're looking for. It really is a different viewpoint because Charlie's more of a Marvel zombie. I am a DC fan, but I've had struggles with the Snyder take but I've also been disappointed by Green Lantern and different takes, but obviously loved the uh, uh, Dark Knight. So it's been an, it's been an interesting journey we've had on the cinematic uh, view of the DC universe. What and, was it that Snyder held you back from? I and mean, I'm asking you before you share me your thoughts on this one. Sure. What was it that held you up? So I really loved uh, Man of Steel. Um, and, and I really loved, and I've taken, I've really enjoyed every piece of, the Superman cinematic universe. Obviously, you get into like Superman three and and the quest for peace, horrible. But I mean, I've always enjoyed those different perspectives, and I just loved it to that point. And I even gave you know 
measure to understand Superman's decision to kill Zod. I get it. It's almost like you have an, uh, basically a weapon of mass destruction and you don't have a way to contain it. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I mean, you're, you're kind of without options. So that was a hard decision. I could totally get that. Um, but my journey on the Snyderverse has been I really never got to see Superman just being Superman. And that was my frustration. It was kind of like Superman always had to be at his worst or at, at, at the most trying versus I would just love I'd love to see Superman take on the parasite or a brain right. or something like that. Just having a instance where I saw his interaction with a crowd where he wasn't ultimately having to be tried in that fashion. It was kind of like that's where I would say and I get it in a cinematic version because you only have two hours on screen or whatever. Right, right. So in a, in a way, I kind of felt like I've never really gotten to really enjoy just this Superman being adored and just doing his regular missions kind of like spider-man i want to see him take out the prowler at the beginning of the movie just i want to see spider-man do his thing uh in this instance i always felt like superman has always been never allowed to just be superman he's always been the guy that has to be larger than life and i've seen that in different instances and i've been a big fan of the character and i always get frustrated when people say Oh, he's just a, a Boy Scout, and you really can't tell interesting stories with him, which I totally disagree, because there are so many different versions of Superman that have been told fantastically. We just talked about Red Sun, which is a right. great story with Superman. Oh, totally. So I just think I hate that cop-out. In this instance, I appreciate what Snyder brings to the screen in regards to the visuals, but sometimes I feel like he struggles with how to tell understated stories – everything right. seems like it's poised you need a huge uh uh visual and it's like oh my god it's it's almost like superman is larger than life and it, and i just feel like that to me is a big miss in regards to my view of what i want for my dc heroes um are you I, i'm interrupting again for oh, clarity yeah. if you don't mind yeah are you served that superman that you want and those less less grand versions because that is snyder's thing i totally agree with you and if that's not your jam that'd be yeah. frustrating yeah are you served well by the like the cw versions of that superman or flash or not or is that still not what you're looking for it's it's close but there's stories like uh uh there's a couple of different superman stories i've just felt like other iconic like all-star superman which you get a chance check out on hbo max there's a uh animated version of that a comic um different takes the uh superman animated series is such a good take on superman i just feel like it's discounted because it's animated just like the batman animated series i think those are such iconic takes on uh those characters where they are serious but not r-rated they're serious but not dark they are well balanced and i think um zach snyder has just and 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 i I would say this i think he does well in some in some instances um, and in some instances, I just get frustrated with him. Like Sucker Punch, uh, I've talked about that. I just think it's 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 him doing his own thing and him fumbling, just trying to do something that's visually appealing, but failing on getting great performances from actors and telling a compelling story. So in, in this way, I feel like he's indulgent and he has no way to tell a story in a way that's, uh, uh, I guess, constrained. Like I always said – you don't need three hours to tell a great movie. It's just and you if you're pacing it that way, that's going to be problematic to a lot of audiences. So that's why I never watched the BVS extended cut, because I felt like, wow, you're going to make me watch another movie for another three hours to tell your story. 
that's a gap. And I felt like the same way with this. I felt like um, this is great that he got to tell his own story, but this would have never happened. So even if Zack Snyder got to tell his Justice League, we wouldn't have got the four hour movie. So ultimately, what would he have done with three hours? So that would have been interesting. So that's my take on Snyder and overall. <laughs> he wouldn't have slowed down so many scenes. <laughs> exactly. <That's laughs> right. like, can, can I take up five minutes? But uh, what I liked is, it, once again, I think to everyone's opinion, we got a, a cohesive film. We got a where he was going with these characters. He got to tell their stories. He got to develop them in a way that ultimately felt like this should have been really two movies with, potentially. And I wish it would have been. Rather right. than one cohesive, it been almost like this movie should have been like forming the team, and we kind of got uh, Apocalypse introduced, or sorry, not Apocalypse, the World Apocalypse, but Dark Side introduced in a different fashion. Uh, so in a way, I kind of felt like he was trying to tell so much because he was forced because of what was Avengers was doing. But like I said, I liked what he did because um, I hated his cyborg before. I liked his cyborg this time. So I think he succeeded in so many different ways um, that it was really impressive. I liked the story he was telling. I liked the fact that he brought in that, Charlie, to your point, the fact that he brought all the heroes and brought together and that cool battle scene. That was really cool. It was really neat. And it made Batman a more likable character. It made um, Diana kind of more of the voice of, hey, I've been around for 5,000 years, guys. Just I'm going to give you the perspective that you need. Um and, you know, it just let everybody kind of breathe. Um, and it didn't force a lot of things that I think it did before because, you know, it just felt like it needed to tell a certain tale in two hours that just wasn't well served. And, and that's where I think that's the frustrating part. I, I feel bad for Josh Whedon. I, the guy is kind of turning out to be a, a, a dirtbag now. But just imagine if you're saying, hey, uh, you have to make this film out of these pieces and make it your own. I, I felt I mean, nobody can manage that type of expectation. So um, in a way, I felt like this is just the worst case for everybody. But I think this cut satisfies everyone in a unique fashion. And I think this is a really cool idea that is of its time, probably one off. And I have heard just ridiculous comments about hashtag Steve, uh, what is it? Uh, Stephen Ayer's suicide, uh, suicide David squad. Ayer. David, David Ayer. Ayer. Yeah. So and I'm thinking it's like this just can't be the guidance. It can be a DVD release, maybe, but we just can't have the crowd saying we demand this and making it happen. So I think as a one off, um, I think this is great that we got this. It made Clark and all those characters more resonant. Uh, It made Bruce Wayne seem more human. Um, And I think it just made this movie. it, It redeemed it in a way that I never thought they could, which is great. And and so that's the best thing I can say it. Uh, I think it's 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 really satisfied an audience that really demanded that they have something they can really own in a way we really haven't had. And and I, I've always felt bad for the DC uh, passionate crowd that you've kind of felt like you've been kind of abandoned and felt bad. Um, I felt that point with Green Lantern because this is my favorite character. I just kind of felt like he is where is he going to be next? But with this instance, I feel it kind of puts a uh, a bookmark or a, I guess a, a bookend to this tale and people can at least feel like I was heard. We got something good and it's kind of leaving us a little more satisfied. So I'll leave it there. Ultimate think, postscript. Don't stop till you get enough. Sure. <laughs> okay. Why not? Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the, the comment you made about fans not getting what they want or deserve or if, if they've been heard or not. And 
in many ways, I feel like you're talking to me and in many ways not because the narrative in the last few years has been that DC has done a bad job, right? Like they've not given their fans good stuff and, or, or that the films just don't, don't match up to Marvel well. And on the one hand, yeah, Marvel's done 20 plus movies and shows that are brilliant. And I mean, like the amount of bad movies in the MCU is on a, is on a single hand since single digits, right? I mean, you got Thor, the dark world and, and Thor maybe. And even then, like I'll watch Thor. Sure. Like it's fine. It's fine. Um, but then you look at like what DC has done for films as well. You've got all the Keatons. You've got two of the Superman movies, uh, the Donner cut, if you're into that. Sure. Um, but then you have the dark Knight trilogy and, and man of steel. And a few. there's some good stuff to be had mm-hmm. for DC cinematic, uh, universes. And then there's the CW stuff. And then there's the animated universes, which are great. DC fans have been well served, just oh, not sure. treated well in the, in the extended universe of a film category. And it was really nice to be heard because I was so devastated and distraught when I saw this 2017 version of the justice league, because without exaggeration, I think this is the best cast of ensemble characters brought together uh, to portray their stuff. And and that is with full respect to the incredible work by the Avengers team too. It's just that this team felt very cast a better wonder woman. Affleck is an incredible Batman and Bruce Wayne, and he went on an arc from villain to hero over these last two movies. Uh, you know, Ezra Miller de- genuinely pulled off Flash, which I and after the 2017 version, I didn't think he could. Um, th- there were elements of this that just surprised me, and uh, I'm thinking more about this, like the air cut. We know there were gobs of footage of Jared Leto's, Leto's Joker. To left on the cutting room floor. And if indeed Leto is as bad as people said based in, the, in that Suicide Squad movie, and I would agree it's nowhere near Ledger's performance, I didn't think it was awful. It just wasn't Phoenix or Ledger or Nicholson or anywhere. It just wasn't any of those epic ta- tellings of that character. It also wasn't a Joker movie, to be clear. No. But if there, it wasn't meant to be. But if there's all that footage there, real talk, I'd love to see it. And HBO Max is the right place to do that. Theaters, Maybe not. That's kind of the point that I was going to get to, Todd. It took too sure. long to get there, just like Zack Snyder. Um, I, 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 I love the idea of putting these on a, on a streaming service. Yeah, give it to me. I'm paying for that. I will pay for that. You can have your own cinematic in theater universe. You can have your own CW universe. I love now that we're in a world where there are multiple live action actors playing these parts. We've got how many Lex Luthers? How many uh, flashes? We, how many? We Superman? have we have we have seven. Todd went. And we we have up. seven at least. Yeah, we have yeah. seven. But technically, don't we have three live action right now? No, two. Two. Uh, yeah, Johnny Price still exists. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And there's Jesse, a two Superman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's two Flash. You know, and there's two, all these sub characters, two Martian Manhunters now. Like, I like that idea, and I don't like the the concept that we can only have one. There are three, two Batman. Right now, with with Patton's, Patterson, Pattinson's, Pattinson's and Affleck, R- Rob, you know? Robert Battenbat, yes, yes, Mr. Robbie Batbat. Uh, there's, I, I like this idea, and, and there's a lot of threads in Justice League. I think also that would open the door for HBO Max to say we'll give you Snyderverse, for WB to say we'll put movies in theaters, just like we did with Joker, just like we did with. Uh, 
and and they have their own thing going on. I would love the avenue to be open for HBO Max to be the home for Snyderverse if it were to be something akin to that or a scaled down version or to see those characters exist more because Affleck's Batman need not be abandoned if Affleck wants to do it. But if I had read, if I, after reading the stuff that we didn't put them through, I wouldn't want to go back either. Absolutely. But this, this might change the take on, on, on that. And I want to tell you guys my Jason Todd theory at some point. Okay. Well, it, oh, and we could talk about that because there's a really cool um, Batman Beyond uh, Return of the Joker. Is that the movie? Revenge of the Joker? Really cool take on Batman and Joker and the killing joke in the future. So, oh, well, we'll talk about that in the future. So let's get into cons, gentlemen, because I think there is the, the, the whole point of DC is really overall really doing unique things. They have multiple versions of the same character but in different take on their different tv versions so i think that's really cool we're going to get more of that in the future but in regards to this what are our cons for this specific take you know i didn't have a ton uh which is surprising uh and some of them we've kind of tossed out uh some of them were kind of obvious but the music cues and the music in general just annoyed the shit out of me didn't like it what it wasn't my personal style um the thing that I hated the most about it, and it really kind of petered off as time went on with the MCU, was like at the end of the Avengers, they had that heavy hit. Was it a Soundgarden song that I thought was just dreadful and just didn't fit the bill for me? And there was a lot of like kind of music in this for me, but I, like many people, thought the Icelandic women singing to Iceman or Ice, Ice, singing Iceman. to Iceman. Yes, yes, that's my best one. Singing to Aquaman as he, as he swam away. I thought that was weird and misplaced. I thought the woman who picked up his sweater and started sniffing it had those murder eyes that if this was a woman you had a one-night stand with, you'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, she's standing over you with the knife. That kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. Didn't like that too much. What's that so, scent? What's the scent of that sweater, guys? A pure, pure fish ass. That's all it could it's be. It's like that scratch and sniff, like, tuna can. Yeah, it's 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 wal- it's a what is it, a quote from uh, my old favorite show Californication. It smells like a mermaid's taint. That's oh, basically no. what you have going on. Yes. Yeah, but that whole town probably smells like that oh, too. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the thing of the town. So, um, typical things that I don't dig about Zack Snyder: the super duper duper darkness. This film was a lot darker than the original cut, for better or for worse. I don't know. If you really dig on that, I really didn't. I don't like things that are real, real dark. It's a, it has something to do with it with an eye condition that I have. Todd knows about this. I had an eye surgery in my early twenties. Uh, it makes that darkness is not my friend. I'd like things to be very well lit. Um, well, so you mean dark in in visual, not in visual. Tones. Visual. Looking at the TV, colors, like we, right? Like, like the sepia we, tone versus more of a like iconic, primary colors. Correct. Absolutely correct. So, and then you know the obvious. There was way too much slow everything, and Wonder Woman leaping for her sword, and the Flash doing this and that. Just it seemed to be overplayed. And then I have I have a my last one is I have a weird glitch that I I don't know if anybody else experiences, but with HBO Max on our player now we have a smart TV which is an Android, and then we also have a Roku, and we do bop back and forth between the two. If we were watching this movie and we had to turn it off or go all the way out, and then we went back to start it again, it would go back to the beginning, no matter where we were. So I would have to sit there and fast forward and try to remember what the time mark was that we left off to get back to where we were. Don't know why I did it. Doesn't do that with any other HBO Max programming. It was just this. Super, super obnoxious. So 
I don't know. I guess I should write a start a strongly uh, worded email to the good folks at Warner Brothers for them to ignore. Um, but that's about it. That's not even really anything that major, which is shocking for me uh, because it's not Marvel. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a weird one that you had that I had where basically it would rewind a little bit, but not to the end. So and I watched primarily my Roku. Yeah. All right. So Luke cons. Cons. This slow motion got excessive over time, especially after two viewings of it. There was a bit too much of it. And I like the slow motion stuff. Um, However, it it did get a bit excessive. I was also a bit tired. uh, Again, by the second viewing, I was a bit tired of the Wonder Woman theme. That wasn't a guitar (laughs) riff. Yeah. The, the, operatic like oh i really like that was on choir for some reason yeah correct i liked it a lot but it was a bit a bit too often and i would have liked a few more guitar riffs uh version or moments because when she does that in batman vs superman and she drops down and has that moment i oh that was special um they there were a few moments because of the very dark tone of the movie i would have liked a quick quip here and there of acknowledgement there was a second or third time, I believe, even like towards the latter Batmobile where Wonder Woman saves Batman almost identically to how she does from Doomsday. But, you know, Mega Blast is coming in at him and he's going to die and he's stuck in a seat. And then she just boom with the shield. Uh, it would have been cool to you know have a nod to the fact that we've done this already or we've done this before. Um, Charlie mentioned something, or maybe perhaps it was you that mentioned the will they won't they of, of Ben Affleck and Wonder Woman uh, of Gal Gadot's. Yeah, yeah. I liked the one in the, the Snyder version where they touched hands on the mouse. That yeah, didn't that bother cute. me. That felt mm-hmm. cute. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the the Whedon version, it felt gross. Would um, you give me I, a massage because yeah. I have scars. It's like oh, my, it's just a little out of place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Right. It didn't it didn't fit their tone, particularly given the slow nature of things. Um, Khan. Superman was not in the movie as much as I was hoping. However, everybody picked up the slack. So every con I have, with the exception of the slow mo and the the Amazonian choir, I'm cool with like like there's a counterbalance to it. Like I understand why I understand the reasons uh, for certain things. He has still yet mind you, his universe was canceled, but he has yet to explain properly why and how the nightmare is working and what's operating there. Is this potential timeline? Is it alternate? Because there are multiple things that he's, that Batman seemingly is, is fixing as he's going along based on these premonitions. So I'm curious to know how that would have planned out. And if we never get another film version, which I'm I'd, right now, I'd put a good 50 bucks down that you do get another Snyder version of some kind. Uh, somehow, some way. What's that? I said, hmm. oh, I said, oh, really? It's a bold prediction because yeah, there, I was going to say, there, I think there are no people that we there, there are people who are kind of a thumbs down on that, so that is interesting. And and I've seen some of that. I even saw the recent WB uh, commentary. But what I, I also read was a lot of that WB commentary in 2017, and I saw what they were willing to do. I saw what made them cheer, as the joke goes. And you know, your booze mean nothing. I saw what made you cheer. I saw what they were willing to do to various versions of their films and what they were willing to sacrifice, what they weren't. And I saw the outcry make it make a difference and a movie get made under circumstances that involved COVID pressure and a streaming service that needed content. 
that streaming service is still going to need content. People are begging for more Henry Cavill, begging for more Ben Affleck. Uh, Momoa and Gal Gadot are going to get more uh, content, but they're begging for more of them. And I'm inclined to think that somehow, somewhere we see something in that realm, perhaps not as grand as Justice League 2. And I don't know that that needs to exist, but Man of Steel 2 or Zack Snyder getting a movie within that universe that exists coincide. I could see that happening as well. Um, I do want to talk about that nightmare scene at some point, Todd, before before we move into other topics. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. So we can actually go into mine, uh, and then you can comment on that, which I think is fair. Um, so my con is really, I, I, like I said, I, I'm happy that he got the movie he wanted, but the fact that to, for it to be a cohesive film that he needs four hours, and he wouldn't have got that in a the theatrical release, and he's needed that, tells me that I'm kind of tired of his preposition that he can't tell a story in a way that he can't have edited and maintained like most i say 99% of directors which the MCU has shown we can even tell a huge story like Endgame which has so many story threads in a big perspective but felt very compelling and is the biggest movie of all time so i felt like i feel like Snyder if he's going to continue in this mode and his next movie is going to be a Netflix, uh, what is it, Heist of the Dead or whatever it's going to be, um, I just think it's untenable. I, I just think it's – he just needs to work on his story crafting because beyond that, his other stories have been based on um, narratives that were already written uh, and that have been laid out. These were his originals, and unfortunately, he didn't deal a good hand uh, to a broad audience in, in regards to that sense, because you saw a rejection that nobody really cared. It just continued to go down in box office. Um, I want my son to not have to hear Batman say fuck. And that is, uh, to me, a huge issue with the, the, the this. It, it is so negative. I want to see my Superman be heroic and not have to worry about him killing people. That just to me is 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 a frustrating part. So I, I, I don't think we're going to see this because I think DC – wants to have their iconic heroes not have to be like, oh my god, is Superman going to kill somebody? Is going to castrate someone? Is he going to say that bomb? And that to me is a huge detractor of Zack Snyder. I think Zack Snyder, if you see his, his homage, he's not into telling stories that are all about uh, only telling a story that can bring in audiences, all audiences. He wants to tell stories that are more visually impactful and riveting and gets an emotion rather than servicing multiple audiences. I just don't think that works with our heritage characters, and that's just me being there. I get with The Dark Knight, that was a one-off, and I think he took cues from that and said, oh, wow, we can do that. I'm like, yeah, you can, but that's the boys' territory eventually. You know, the boys can do those things that are just horrible, but can be R-rated, and they're saying that's the audience we're playing in. I don't want Green Lantern to be disemboweled. I don't want Wonder Woman... Uh, to do those things, and that's just me being my my core narrative. And I just feel like at this point, more kids are in tune with the uh, MCU than they are with DCU because they feel like I can't show my kids those things. And to me, that's it's frustrating as a parent, right? Yeah. So that's where, yeah. I keep cutting you off out of curiosity oh, no, because I do want to pick your brain on this. I think that's exactly why you hire Zack Snyder. And I think as the parent, you go in knowing those are the potentials. I also yeah. think when you're ma- – these are the adult – again, I, I think I said it earlier in the show. This is everything I wanted from my heroes. I'm a 35-year-old man. Grew up on comics, right? 
Yep. This is what I wanted for my adult versions of these guys. The Winter Soldier is probably the darkest the MCU got, right? I think that's probably the yeah. darkest we got in terms of a, a story. And it was probably the most practical those heroes have ever been in the MCU. This, to me, Snyder's telling, is exactly what you would have if you had the goodness of Superman put into the world as it exists now. Ripe with evil, ripe with political controversy, with people that are in positions of power that are not good people. And there's a wonderful line in BBS, you know, maybe he's he's not some God savior like figure. Maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing. That to me is what that's what would happen to me if I could crush everything with my pinky. If I sneezed wrong and I existed in this world, I would be morally torn. I love that they exist and all the things that you said you were worried about completely make sense to me mind you i don't have children that i have to worry about in that case the movie is rated r it's on hbo i'm not bothered by it because the superman on the cw is that guy and i yeah. watched that too and i love that version mm-hmm. um like you i miss my I, I would i want a green lantern story so badly so bad oh my you. god right yeah, with that, you on that i want that to be the thing that comes along and redefines like Iron Man redefined how people yeah. thought about Marvel. Sure. I want, yes. I want Green Lantern to be that I want to be, you know, being that I cosplay Green Lantern and, and, and I'm getting into it with the, mm. the figures. I got this beautiful score of Green Lantern figures at a toy show over the weekend that, Oh, Luke, I'll send them to you. You'll be impressed. You can yeah. tell me who, you can tell me who the hell they are because it was kind of a random gray. I have an orange lantern, Lex Luthor, and I have a, a weird blue face like monster thing. And I have uh Oh, I got a Kilowog, beautiful figure. So, but anyway, I'm really getting into it. I'm really fired up. So, yeah, I would like that. That's what I'd like about Green Lantern. Cool. To- total cool. sidebar. Sorry, sorry. So, so my question, Todd, is when 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 he said "oh shit" in Batman vs Superman, when he said "oh fucking" the epilogue here, to me, it did not feel out of place at all for that version, for that character. And I don't have to worry about having a child in my room uh, or with me. Does having the CW ease your mind at all the way it does mine, or did it still just really rattle you? I, I, I and that's where I appreciate the the DC doing multiple different takes on a character. So it doesn't mean there's one definitive, which I find fine because I think you should be able to take characters and tell different stories, which I appreciate versus the MCU where we're not going to get Captain America, uh, Chris Evans. Uh, Steve Rogers again until they tell us he's coming back. So versus saying the right Superman can be for the right story. So in this instance, I think it's fine for this take, but my son is so totally disinterested because of the tone and this take of this. And I feel like I don't know if there's a interest in this that's going to actually get excited, kids excited for this, which means I don't want DC to be like the Star Trek audience at a certain point where it's just like it's 85 year old guys versus nobody cares about <laughs> DCU anymore. So right. in a way, I so I'm like, I'm, I'm glad everybody got this take. I just think I'm ready for something different. And I think that's perfectly fine. Like the like the Matt Reeves uh, Batman and his take, what it's going to do and what we're going to see with Shazam next and, and where Wonder Woman's going next. And maybe we get Flash with Flashpoint where he takes some of these core characters we got from the Snyderverse and it repositions them in a different way. That's maybe a little bit more PG, PG 13. So I, 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 I get think that Reeves one is going to be PG. No, no, that one is not. I think it's going to be more of the 
it's going to feel more like uh, the, the the Nolan verse in a way, which I think is fine because I think Batman's the one character that gets to play in that gray space where mm-hmm. he can be the guy that yeah he does questionable things. Mm-hmm. I just think Superman gets a, has been allowed to get a point where I really want to see his take, and I think we're maybe we're getting that with the uh, Lois and Superman story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to see that. I would just I, I think there's so many good takes with from the the heritage of DC Comics that we just haven't seen. Uh, the 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 Grant Morrison JLA storyline we got would be so right for the picking to see what we could do, almost like a uh, uh, secret invasion take with the, the 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 Mars villains, but we just haven't got that. So I, I, I my my con is just I, I get the excitement for this. I just think it's limited. Uh, rewards going forward if we continue this path um but i i don't want to say that people shouldn't get this so i get it if you want the the david Ayer um uh suicide cut perfect great maybe it's an hbo max give an extra 30 million dollars i just think it's time for something new um a new day and we're seeing that with some of the characters that are coming through but you know i don't i don't want to uh, uh crap in someone's cornflakes as they would say uh so if if, it, if he does get another take on this I'd love to see what he does, and maybe that's the best place is HBO Max, mm-hmm. uh, Luke, to your point, versus a theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And what, wouldn't yeah. it be cool to see him do something uh, more of a series anyways, where he gets 10 hours to tell right. a story? Right, yeah, to, to do exactly what they're doing over on Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. and I don't know that's if you guys watched, great. but I, I mean, this was cut in at different, have different takes. It it felt like. Yeah, and in the, even on the, uh, the the mobile app, I could see different uh, placeholders in the different periods. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the way it should go, uh, Luke, to your point. Maybe yeah. that's the better point, is a theatrical in a TV series perspective, and that's where we could see it go. But that's, mm-hmm. I think, where we land. So I think that's probably a good place to land. But last place, guys, the epilogue. I just want everybody's takes on the epilogue because that was so weird. It was such an odd take, so many different things. And it's like, I can't even digest that. Where did it land with you? Uh, it was bold, but ultimately, especially ultimately kind of toothless if this is really going nowhere. Um, and was it really done for the shock value? Oh, we threw the Joker in and here's Batman's about to laser everybody. So, I just don't know what purpose it served because it's not really painting the picture for anything to come. As much as I love seeing Martian Manhunter twice, um, I, I just don't really know what purpose it served. That's kind. Of, so I'm kind of I'm kind of C minus with that. You know what I mean? I just I don't really get it. I still want to find out why the Joker is important because he just shows up and he's a guy with a gun. Is he gonna like uh, be the guy that kind of like gives Superman the limerick with that? you know, causes him to go insane. Cause yeah, that whole point just seemed to be more of a, a plot point versus a, why is he actually valuable? But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just a weird thing that the Martian man, her showing up saying, yep, I'm here to help blah, blah, blah. Um, some of those points we did get the, you know, uh, death stroke showing up, but then, you know, he gets Bruce Wayne thrown out, but then he shows up in the future where he's an right. ally to Bruce Wayne. It just seemed like a very throwing everything in the kitchen sink to say, wow, look at what we could do. Right, exactly right. So, yeah. All, all of that took place because there is, there is a future that exists where Lois was not saved by Batman. And because he she wasn't saved, uh, Superman fell to evil. It's a standard Injustice storyline. It's an adaption of, of sorts. Um, and 
in those stories, all the villains and heroes pretty much band together because like half of them are wiped out regardless of, of, of allegiance. And they've it's it's us or enslaved bedfellows. Right, exactly. And so I kind of liked the I liked seeing Deathstroke and Batman together. And we'd never seen uh, Affleck's Batman with uh, this version of the Joker. Um, and and in that same vein, uh, it really brought home and, and carried home this th- theory that I and I think several people have, but it, it really brought home for me personally, the idea that I don't think that's the original Joker. I think that's Jason Todd. And there are a couple pieces of evidence that I would would point out to you on this. And there's a wonderful line that makes no sense in Batman vs Superman when he says it the first time. He says, 20 years in Gotham, Alfred, how many good guys are left? How many stayed that way? That's Bruce Wayne, the very angry Bruce Wayne, bitter, emboldened, and angry, talking to Alfred. And he says, how many stayed that way? And this is recently, like within... Very similar time where we just seen that suit, which is Dick Grayson's Robin suit, by the way. A lot of people didn't didn't know that that is not Jason Todd's suit. That is Dick Grayson's. Dick Grayson is dead. And then you you go into this epilogue uh, where he says uh, Joker says to Batman, you know, you don't send a boy wonder to do a man's job. And at that point, the frame shifts and then it zoom it, you can, it clears up and you see him. In the in the Suicide Squad, the original stuff, there was a J tattooed onto uh, Joker's face, which is very reminiscent of the J that he is branded with in, in the Arkham series and in a couple versions where Jason Todd is branded with the J and is very similar to the Revenge of the Joker story, which uh, not J- Tim Drake was, was, was taken by the Joker and, and messed with a bit there. It would make perfect sense if the original Joker was dead and this was Jason Todd corrupted and gone and, and messed up because the take is very different than standard jokers and it doesn't match everything even to, down to the tattoo on the hand and whatnot um but i love the idea that that could be jason todd and in many ways you you see these reddit fan theories about different elements and they go all forgive the term but batshit crazy uh forgive ha, the term. Ha. yeah ha, but snyder is known for doing that and placing seeds for stories far later. And you can track almost all of these in justice league through the course. He's, he doesn't do anything by mistake or haphazardly. And so I would have loved to see that alternate world and Joker calls him out. How many timelines exist where you were, you, you didn't have the balls to die and, and got her killed. And this is your fault. And I like the idea that this is Batman's fault and he's working to stop it. Um, there's just some neat stuff within that uh, that I'm curious about. And clearly, in the in the Nightmare timeline, Darkseid has the anti-life equation and can take over any sentient life that he wants to. And why not take over the most powerful being that's the only one capable of beating you? Something yeah, it's, a, it's really interesting. Yeah, they. but I, I just want to understand, why does Batman need to turn your coat? That has not been solved. So I've right. thought about that. The only thing I think of is, is that it's cold. It looks like it's a desert. <laughs> But like we've seen how many deserts where it's cold and people, that's the only thing I can think. But every time I'm like, man, sand's got to get up in the little cheekbones there. Oh my goodness. All right. All right, kids. Let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. All right. 
Yeah, so we're going to do this on a scale of Lex Luthor's. So I'll give you our scale because we picked these and we choose, chose in advance. So uh, Lex Luthor, we're basically one to seven. Seven is the highest. One is the lowest. So we're saying basically the Lois and Clark Lex is one. Nobody even under, remembers what his name is. Then we have the Eisenberg uh, Lex, which is two. Uh, the Smallville Lex, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, three. John Cryer, four. Uh, Clancy Brown from the animated series, five. Gene Hackman, man, he's in, been in Lex Luthor longer than anybody else. He's six. And then Kevin Spacey, uh, regardless of what you think of the man now, uh, was seven because he was a pretty good take. So on those gentlemen, what would you give the Snyder Cut of the Justice League? It's crazy because I um, just you're right. I love you know Spacey was my choice, and it's like. I want to go with him, but I don't think this movie is all the way perfect. So I'm probably going to have to land on a Hackman uh, or a Clancy Brown. I'll go with the Clancy Brown. I'll be real with it because this is such an anomaly and he did a great thing. But, yeah, that bit at the end was bizarre and I disliked the music and there was too much slow-mo. So, no, I'll go with the Hackman. This is a six. Six oh, out of seven. Wow. Six a, out of seven. A, a twist there at the end, Luke. I'll, I'll pull it back. Luke, what have you got? I also give it a Hackman, six out of seven. I I genuinely love the movie. This movie was for me. This was the movie that I needed it to be, if I'm being honest with you. And if I never was to get another Zack Snyder DC interpretation, uh, and I'm still blessed with all the other live action versions, then at least I got four hours of it. And, and I know that sounds silly, but that if nothing else, I got uh, many hours of Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and Justice League. And Justice League really does do a great job at nixing that very bad taste of the old one and being a comfortable send-off to, to that it's so highly rated even on on what rotten tomatoes or whatever yeah. imdb yeah you know uh, certified fresh i think yeah it's it's nice to have some justification and vindication and i separate from my own selfishness it's a good movie it's a good movie and i'm really really glad about that so i would give it a gene hackman six out of seven i, I really loved it Good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, I'm going to give it a Clancy Brown, five out of seven. I enjoyed it. Um, it was overindulgent to a certain extent, but I, I appreciate what it was able to finally deliver on a narrative, and it was far better than what we got before. So I'm All glad right. that, that, that Zack Snyder was redeemed and was able to tell the story he wanted to, because no artist wants to be held back and be constrained, and, and, and that's really what's important. So ultimately, five out of seven clancy brown you're awesome watch superman the animated series and, and which is now also on hbo max so Absolutely. i will i will be watching it so well good deal uh and before we go uh we will have the magnanimous chance to ask luke where do people find you out in the world of the socials you can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost, uh, where I talk mostly about video games. With the Ooh, I mean, great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I also I also host the Xbox Expansion Pass, uh, which is a solo endeavor project where I I just beat beat cover xbox and enjoy doing that as well and i'm uh, starting a new podcast very soon which will be released to the public Ooh. soon Ooh, yep. mystery. Very yeah cool. that's pretty cool but uh can i say gentlemen i have waited for this movie for many many years and to get a chance to talk about it with people and share my love for that universe is, is appreciated so thank you for having me on oh we've loved it luke 
It was our and, pleasure, and you killed it. Good yes, stuff. and I will always ask you a question on the Xbox expansion pass. So wait for that. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, and I have not listened to the most recent episode with Jeff Grubb. I'm excited for that and can't wait for more. And, you know, if you want bad Xbox takes, just rely on me. <laughs> oh, boy, that's terrific. Friends, as always, thank you for joining us. We are a part of the burgeoning – well, we're not burgeoning. We, we grew and now we're stopped. Uh, Secret Friends Unite – uh, podcasting network uh, consisting of four great programs and a wonderful and vibrant Facebook community. Uh, you're listening to Secret Friends Unite, uh, the original. Uh, you're li- uh, we also have co-op mode, which is our friend Todd here with Mark Carabin, the Canardian, talking about video games every other week. Weekly is myself with Aaron and Rich talking about Star Trek over on Code 47. Luke will be joining us at some point in the future because I think he's got some hot takes I'd like to hear. And then finally, Mark and I team up bi-weekly to talk about Star Wars on the Holocron Chronicles. Uh, you can find our podcasts anywhere that podcasts are found. We're also mirrored over on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and leave us a review because we want to hear from you. Obviously, we can also be found over on Twitter. Send us a Twitter twatter, and we'll Twitter twatter right back at you. Uh, we've got a great merch store over at T Public. Uh, all the T Public stuff you can imagine: shirts, hoodies. I almost said hats. I'd love it if they made hats. Uh, stickers, you know, wall art, pillows, just all kinds of crazy wacky stuff. Uh, profits from that uh, do go directly back to a charity uh, that the wife and I work with here in Michigan called the League of Enchantment, which does outreach work for kids across the country, uh, locally here, hospital visits uh, and care packages, things of that nature. So uh, go in there, spend. They do have a sale uh, going on uh, today, if you're listening to this episode, when it comes out on Friday, up to 35% off. So go in there and snag something and benefit a charity. Uh, one last time, I'll tell you again to thank you for joining us. I'll tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. My man. <laughs>